Good evening. May the Lord bless us tonight with his presence. Thank you for the introduction and the devotion on that song. That was precious. Isn't it wonderful that God is so big, so mighty, so wise, and yet so good? That he answers our prayers. He's got so many big things he's doing. <laughs> So many important things he's doing, and yet he hears, he hears us. We can be on a roof. We can be in a corner. We can be in a difficult situation. And we call out to him. He's always there. He's there to hear us and meet us and help us. That's why he's better than life. He's better than life. Thank you for that song. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. Is that right? It's right than anything. <laughs> Thank you. Better have Jesus than anything. Let's go to our text again tonight, 1 Timothy chapter 6. <clears throat> we have been looking at God this week. I want to continue with that in this passage here. <clears throat> We're studying this passage, 1 Timothy 6, verse 13 to 16. We'll be looking at verse 12 probably the last evening, <clears throat> too, but we're looking at this. and The basic command of the chapter is, I give thee charge to keep, that thou keep this commandment. And a large part of this passage is giving a, a backing or giving power to this statement because of who God is. Because he gives this commandment in the sight of God and before Christ Jesus. And as we look at God, and we understand a little bit of who God is, it clarifies who we are, and what we should be doing, and where we're going, and what we're here for. Let's read, 1 Timothy 6, 13. I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, dwelling in light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting, Amen. We've, the first night we looked at God who quickeneth all things, or God who gives life to everything. He is creator. The second night we looked at him that he is the blessed one. He is good. And everything that is good, every source of blessing, all come from him. And last night we looked at him as the only sovereign one. The King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we've been seeing our response. What is our responsibility to such a great big God? Tonight we'd like to look at who only hath immortality. Notice the word only. Only. Only Him. Immortality. What does the word immortality mean? The word immortality simply means deathlessness. 
Mortality is death. Immortality, no death. Deathless. Commentator Barnes says that it properly means exemption from death and seems to mean that God in his own nature enjoys a perfect and certain exemption from death. Creatures have immortality only as they derive it from him and, of course, are dependent on him for it. He has it by his very nature. And it is, in his case, underived, and he cannot be deprived of it. It is one of the essential attributes of his being that he will always exist and death cannot reach him. Jesus said, The Father hath life in himself. Immortality is the opposite of life. I mean, is life. It's just another way of saying he doesn't have death, so he has life. God is the source of all life. God is the author of life. He creates all life that exists, creates because of him. And he can whip by his word. He created life so he can raise the dead. It's no problem for him to raise the dead. He creates life. He raises the dead. He has authority over life and death, for he is life. And this, again, is an attribute of his character. It's who he is. It's not something that he accomplished. It's not something that someone gave to him. It is the essence of his being. He is life. You know, to understand life is sort of difficult. You know, what is life? We know the difference when a person or a body is alive or if it's dead. The spirit is gone. But life is a power. It grows. It heals itself. Um, it moves. It responds. But to really understand what is life, and you know, the scientists are trying to study what is life, and you get into the cell, and the more they study the cells, the life is a mystery. And it's so complex, and, and yet it is, comes from God, because God is life. And we're alive because God breathed in the Adam, the breath of life. And Adam breathed, and Adam had a different kind of life than the animals did, and we do today too. The breath of life, life. He is life. Death can never touch him. You know, we're so accustomed to death and to things decaying. You make a house and you make it real nice, and from day one it starts decaying. Uh, this world, everything in this world, well, young people, we grow to a certain point and then we start going downhill. I'm going downhill. <laughs> we're used to that. Everything seems to be decaying and going down, but God does not know any decay. He does not descend. His life is the same as it has been always and always will be. Life eternal. And that's something I'd like to encourage us with, with the way things look in this world. This world is decaying. The darkness is growing and it seems like it's getting worse. It seems like it's worse than it's ever been before. Then again, I'm not sure when you study back uh, cultures back in the time of the Roman Empire, and sometimes in the past, I don't know, I don't know, but it's getting dark, and it seems like it's getting worse than ever before. And sometimes we get sort of a negative 
um, attitude about life. Things are getting so bad. It's going backwards and it gets there discouraged. But let's remember, God has not changed at all. He's the same God. His life is powerful and will be victorious. Nothing and no one can take his life away from him. Satan and all he's doing and all that evil society and things are doing, they cannot hinder God's life at all. Life will be victorious. That's why it's important we're part of his life. Life is victorious. God is victorious. Life. Immortality. Death cannot touch him. He never gets weaker. He never fails. <laughs> never sick. <laughs> God is life. I'm going to read again some verses. Again, I have them here. You can listen and worship as you listen to the word of God. God is immortal. God is life eternal. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 32, 40, For I lift up my hand to heaven and say, and only God can say this, I live forever. I live forever. I remember sitting in church when I was a young boy. I remember sitting here on the front bench and Dad used to preach. and I used to try to figure this out. <laughs> How is it that God never had a beginning and God never has an end? And I still can't figure it out. But it's true. God, it says, lives forever. Life indestructible. His life cannot be destroyed, cannot be taken away. He needs no help to keep his life either. He is life. Psalms 92.8, But thou, Lord, art most high forevermore. Most high forevermore. 93.2, Thy throne is established of old. Thou art from everlasting. Psalms 102.12 But thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever. And thy remembrance unto all generations. Thy remembrance to all generations. You know, history and time. and I like um, CLP's book, History. His story, God's world, his story, because that's what it is. All of history is simply a story of God. What God's been doing and what God will do, it's his story. Jeremiah 10.10, 10, But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. Living God an everlasting king. You know, the kingdoms of this world rise up and then fall in history. How many kingdoms have come up and then fall? Kingdoms come. Men try to rise up only to fall, but God never falls, never fails. God's kingdom is still the same and always will be. Jeremiah 46, 18. As I live, saith the king, whose name is the Lord of hosts, as I live, he says, as I live. Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of a hosts. Thousands of thousands of hosts serve the eternal king. Deuteronomy 4.34. Here again, Nebuchadnezzar, after his losing his mind and being like an animal, 
when he raised up his eyes and looked to God, his wisdom came back. It does for all of us. When we turn and look to God and understand God, wisdom falls in place. And he says, And I bless the Most High, and I praise and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Kingdom, an everlasting kingdom. John 5, 26, I mentioned this earlier. Jesus said, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. I don't, here's, there's a lot of things in the Bible that I, I feel like I understand a little bit, but there's a depth here that I don't understand. But this thing, he has life in himself. <laughs> in other words, he is the source of life. He is life. It's of himself. You know, any other creature, any other being that has life received it from him. But he has life in himself. He is life. Revelations 4, 9 to 11. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four, four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. He is worthy of all praise because of who he is. Not only because of what he's done, that too, but because of who he is. In Revelations 5, 14, And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. When I read those scenes of heaven, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to kneeling at his feet and worshiping him, the king eternal. In part, I, we understand today how great and wonderful and eternal he is, but to see him in his glory after we have a transformed body in his presence and to worship him, to kneel at his feet and cast any crowns or any glory all to him. Worship him, for he is worthy. First Timothy also says, chapter 1, verse 17, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And as we looked here in this passage, Verse 13, I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickeneth all things. Talking about he quickeneth means he gives life to all things. Everything that has life. Everything that moves. Everything that lives. Everything that makes decisions. Every person who makes decisions and choices. Receive that life and that ability from him. We understand that he, he gives us life. And in Acts, it says, so that we can, seeking, find him. He gives us life so we can voluntarily seek him and find him. 
And the good thing about this great, big, wonderful God, so big, so, so many big things he's doing, is that he is seeking for us. And he's like the father and the prodigal son. When you turn towards God, he will meet you. He'll run to meet us because he wants to meet us. Acts 17, 24 says, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands, as though he needeth anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. He doesn't need anything from us. He doesn't need anything from anyone or anything. He is complete in himself. And yet he is such a wonderful God that he loves to give life. Another thing life does is life reproduces. And life grows, life heals, and life reproduces. And I don't understand a lot of this, but God loves to extend and give life and his life to reproduce. And he wants us to live, to have a life, to have life. We cannot understand all this, but we know it's wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful. And all of us, that's in Genesis chapter 1, all life was created to glorify his life. To worship him, to serve him, and to flow together under his sovereignty. To live and to experience his life. And as we think of life, you know, his great, big, eternal life, powerful life. And, and then there's me, and then there's you, and we want life. And yet, all we have sinned, and as a result, don't have life. And that's what the gospel is all about. There's different ways of saying this and expressing this, but the gospel is all about coming back to life. And if we are believers today... If we're in the church of Jesus Christ, it's because we have life. Life that we receive from him. And the church of Jesus, we should all have life. But I think we know that, and I'm not saying this to compare ourselves among ourselves, but it is good to check up on ourselves every once in a while. You know, it could, we can be a part of a church, a member of a church, and not have life. We can talk about God all we want to and not have life. Life, that's what we all want, don't we? We want life. Let's look at that a little bit. Let's look at the story briefly here, how death came into the world and how it affected us and how Jesus came to bring us life again, come back in contact with the... It's like there's a great big river. Or a great big power, a great big electric plant, if you like. You know, and the power source is there. Life is there. And we want to just plug into that. We want to be a part of that, to receive that life. That's what the gospel is all about, is getting back to life. We know that in Genesis 2.17, God created the Garden of Eden. Beautiful situation. And Adam and Eve were there enjoying life, fullness of life. And in the cool of the evening, God would come and they would fellowship. There was life. Life is the presence of God. You know, God, God. 
But then the enemy came. The enemy had earlier rebelled against God. If we understand this right, I know there's a lot of things I don't, I don't understand. What a little bit I understand, if I understand God, Satan was an archangel, or wasn't, I'm not saying archangel, he was a being that God created, and he was a, and a glorious being that God had created, and he rebelled against God, and he wanted to lift up his throne and be God. But the moment that he stepped out from under this wonderful God, he lost everything he had, almost everything he had. Lost his power, lost his glory, and he became an ugly being. You know, that deception of Satan said, I'm going to step out. I'm going to raise myself up. I'm going to lift up myself. I'm going to set my throne on high. It's all a deception. It's all a lie. Pride always is a lie. It's always deception. Whenever we think that we're big and we're smart and we're wonderful and we can handle our own lives, we're deceived. And when Satan, instead of going up, he said he cast him down. And then the same thing happened in the Garden of Eden. Here was Adam and Eve just flowing with God. They were living with God. The life of God had a good relationship with God. And Satan comes and says, Did God say? And I'm not going to spend too much time, but it's interesting to see the process, the questions he asks. And the thing that Eve thinks as she stands by the tree. There's a process there. And if we look at that process, what happened to Eve? I can feel it in my blood. And I don't blame Eve because I have done that myself again and again. The thing of, you know, listening to what God says, obeying God limits me. I don't like to be. And then instead of seeing it as a blessing to be a part of God, instead of seeing it as a thrill, to, to flow with God and have God and live for God, we start resenting it. God's gotten me down under his heel. God's trying to limit me. God doesn't want me to be free. And it's all a deception. Oh, young people and children, boys, if you can understand me. You know, that spirit, if I could only, I can't wait till I turn, what is it here, 18 or 20? And I'm going to go out and run my own life. I can't wait. Then I can do my own thing. Well, um, that spirit of not wanting to, and, and, and Satan says, he very, you know, Satan was smart. He didn't just come and throw it at, her, at Eve, throng and say, what in the world are you doing? She just said, what did God say? And Eve starts thinking, what did God say? And then he tells her, hey, it's not true. The reason God is saying this is another reason. If you could only step out from away from under God's authority, if you could step away from what we talked about yesterday, sorry, you could step away and you could think your own thoughts. You can think your own way. You can be your own God. You can run your own life. I don't like to have someone else tell me how to think. I don't like to have someone else tell me how to do things. You, you feel that spirit? Ooh, can I feel it? <laughs> I can feel that rebel spirit within us. And then we all have it. And we believe it. And we step out. We have done that so many times. And, and um, we're going to talk about Jesus and coming back later. I'm talking now about straying from God and rebelling. And when that happens and we step out and say, thank you, Lord. Uh, but I, I think I'm, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to run this myself. I, uh, I can take care of myself. I don't need you. And thank you, Brother Dan. God works 
so much through his people. I don't need others. I can handle this myself. I don't need a bunch of hypocrites anyhow. I don't need people. And that type of a spirit can develop. And what happens? Because God had said, if you eat of the tree of knowledge and evil, good and evil, thou shalt, the day that thou shalt eat of it, thou shalt surely die. Now, you know, if you stop and think of this, what was the sin that they committed? Eating a fruit. I hope you would, parents. But some parents would hardly even spank their child for the act itself. If mommy or daddy would set a, a plate of fruit on the table, uh, some apples, you're having apples right now. By the way, Amos, those apples were good. Um, if you have a, a, a bowl of apples on the table and you tell them don't eat an apple, but one of your boys would disobey and eat an apple, I hope you as parents would deal with it. Some parents would hardly deal with it. Just eat an apple, you know. When I had told him not to, he did. The issue is not the apple. The issue is not what it is. The issue is the nerve to disobey. And what happens within me when I say, thank you, God, and I disobey. The thing of, of rebelling and saying, I make my own choices. I run my own life. Just step back and let me run my life. And what happened? Eve thought Satan had deceived her that God knows that if you do this, it's like saying like, Eve, and I can feel this too. Eve, if you would only make this step, if you want to take this step, there's a new world out there that you don't know. There's a world out there away from God. You can step out there. There's a new world out there. They just, just try it. There's a new world. And Satan has many ways of doing this. And I hope none of you ever, young people, ever get involved in satanic things. Because Satan can sometimes offer some glorious things that look awful glorious. New wisdom. New ways. But stay away from it. Because Eve thought it was attractive. If I do this, I step away from under God's authority and I step out here. There's a new world for me. And there was a new world. But what was the first thing we see? Shame. Shame. All at once, oh, we're naked. Why were they worried about being naked? Just husband and wife. But all at once, and this word shame, I think, is more than just guilt. It's a shame of who I am. It's a shame. I'm ashamed. And I can understand that spirit too, can't we? And then when, of course, and when God spoke, then it was fear, terror. <sighs> God. And they hide. And they fear God. And all at once there's guilt, there's shame, and there's fear. Yes, a new world. But it was spiritual death. Death. Death is separation from life. Death is separation from life. And God is life. And to disobey God separates me from life. Let's not be deceived. It doesn't, make, it doesn't have to be a big sin. It's just the, the, the attitude. I know we all fail and we have our weaknesses and sometimes we sin. Praise the Lord, we have an advocate with the Father. But we need to take seriously the spirit that says, I can take care of myself. I make my own choices. 
Because our rebellious heart is what separates us from God and cuts us from life, and then death happens. And from then on, natural death began its process. Natural death began its process. From then on, human beings have all died. And death is not beautiful. Death is not beautiful. Death is difficult, very painful. And yet, I just, this wonderful God, he's so wise, he turns this thing around and with the redemption through Jesus, death becomes our escape to eternal life. Death becomes our escape to eternal life. But here we see in Genesis 3, verse 22, after this happened and all at once, they were in a new world, yes. But it was not the freedom and the running their own lives the way they thought it was and I just like to please encourage, especially young people, you think, you know, if I can only get out there and run my own life and do my own thing. You know, if you, I don't know if you ever stop and notice it. Uh, you can tell a lot just on a person's face. Now, I know that some people are good at hiding. But there's a beautiful thing about a person who has a free conscience. Young people have a free conscience. You want to notice it, see, in the children. Let me see. I don't know the children's names. This is Gerald's little daughter. If I wouldn't, she's looking at me. What's her name, Gerald? Margie? M- Margie? Margie. Hi, Margie. And a child will look at me with that clear, innocent face and smile at me. She does. She's not smiling. She's not sure what this man's doing. But, you know, a child will look at you and just smile. Like with the crowd and I see a bunch of children. Just look at me to smile. But there's a certain age when rebellion enters. And they don't look at you that way anymore. You, you, you can see the rebellious spirit. And you can see it on adults, too. But there's something free about the freedom of loving the Lord and being in relation to the Lord. And there's another, this spirit of running, run my own life, do my own thing, and then separation. The hardened spirit. And that's a, that's a sad situation, but praise the Lord, we can take care of this. We can come back. Uh, but freedom is not to do your own thing. And that's what I was going to say is look around you and see the people who live for themselves. Who mentioned that? Oh, Merle said that again. Yeah, Elvis Presley, uh, back in my day, it was the Beatles. When I was young, it was the Beatles. Leon, yeah, you're some of the older. Back then, it was the Beatles. I used to know their names. I'm glad I forgot them. And I, and I, but there, then there's Marilyn Monroe and all these people in the past. I don't even know who they are today. Well, this Jackson, what was it? Michael Jackson. You read the story how that man died? Whew. Why in the world do people imitate men like that and try to comb their hair like them and try to be like them? Um, but, you know, just stop and notice the people who live selfish and live for themselves and just live it up their own way. Watch them. And watch the people who love the Lord and serve the Lord. The freedom in their faces, the joy. The, if we understand what freedom is, what life is, life is to be in relation to Him. And because He's so big and so wonderful and we're so small, we need to be in submission and love Him. That's life. And to rebel against him. To turn our backs to him. Often we don't think about turning our backs, but resist him. That cuts us off from life. And death results. But anyway, here chapter 3, verse 22. We know this story here. And God said, and the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. You know the rest, he 
And therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden and put the, the angels there with a flaming sword to keep them away. Now I'm not sure that I understand all of this, but I think he's, he, he does, didn't want man to be able to eat the tree of life and live forever in sin. Uh, I, 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 I think that's what he's saying. I, there's a lot of things here. If some of you can help me improve my understanding of that, that's fine. But you know, God, in this, in this, this act, I think, he made death now our friend. Our, when my father had a, had, a, had a massive heart attack a few months ago, and we were all gathered there at the hospital, we thought he was leaving. And actually, when it was all over with, He's going to be here Saturday and Sunday, I think. When it's all over with, he wished he would have died. He said, I'd just rather just go. Children are all together. It was a good time to go. I rather would have just went, you know, because we can go home. But, you know, we talked about this. You know, really death is the last step of salvation. So we could almost long for that moment of death. Why not? If we look at it spiritually, the moment of death, death is never beautiful. Death is always difficult. But it's our last moment of freedom <laughs> from this old world and our old carnal body and all these problems. So death is not, de God turned that thing around and now death is our release from our sinful body. Um, and yet we see here that through this, what we're looking at now is that death came. And in, Revel in Romans 5 verse 12 it says, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men. For that all have sinned. Death has come. First, spiritual death, the separation from God. And then God uses physical death. If we find life before death, physical death is our release. And I'd like to encourage the young people and the children. And, and if someone we could help our children understand that death is not the thing that we avoid at all costs. I think that's one area where the church sometimes gets a little mixed up. We try to avoid death at all costs. Why? <laughs> I, I agree, I don't, you know, we, we want to live. But after death, <laughs> it's our release, full release. Death becomes a blessing. We should look at it that way. Death is a blessing. I'm getting ahead of myself again. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It says here that death came by one man and death passed unto all. Then it says, for all have sinned. We all have decided on our own. We have the carnal nature when we were born. We come fighting and struggling with our carnal nature ever since we're born. But then we, each of us, at the age of accountability, have made decisions to disobey God, to resist God, to disobey him and turn from him. And that has brought on spiritual death, separation from God, separation from life. That's death. Death is separation from life. And um, it's a very serious condition. It's really not that If I may say this, it's not very serious to die physically. It can be a blessing. The serious thing is if we're dead spiritually. It's the worst thing, absolutely the worst condition a human being can be in. If we could understand that, we'd all run to Jesus. Absolutely the worst condition a man can be in is to be dead spiritually, separated from life. 
and go into eternity like that. Second Thessalonians 1. I think I mentioned this the other night. I'd like to look at it again. Death, where that takes us. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. 8 and 9. I'm going to start in the, right in the middle of verse 7. It says, When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Notice that. God is coming back, Jesus is coming back, eternal, everlasting destruction. He will take vengeance with everlasting destruction from the presence of God. Eternal death. Separation from God forever. Maybe we should talk about that all evening. To understand what separation from God forever means because anyone who continues in sin does not understand it if we could have five minutes I imagine 30 seconds would do it 30 seconds of seeing eternal destruction everyone absolutely everyone would run to Jesus for life Some of these truths are not as nice. Maybe it's nicer to talk about Jesus as creator and all the nice things he creates and the toucans and the bugs and the flowers. It's nice to talk about Jesus, the Jesus who loves children and puts them on his lap, the Jesus who says, come unto me, the Jesus who loves us, and when I was a sinner and cried and ran to him, he received me and embraced me and took me in. But we must remember this Jesus. It's the same one. It's just as true that someday he's coming back, taking vengeance. It says, in flaming fire, taking vengeance. Wow. I was just thinking about this at home recently. So many people have this concept of Jesus, but don't believe and the right Jesus. They have a sight of him. But this Jesus is also real. This Jesus is also the Jesus that goes into the, into the wedding. Uh, and he sees one man that doesn't have the right. He doesn't have salvation on his garments. And Jesus says, take him. Cast him. Tie him hands and feet. And cast him into eternal fire. The weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus says that. I was just thinking about that at home, and I just uh, hadn't really thought about that till here. But I just, you know, we need to see Jesus in his total being, the truth of what he says. And that is because we are separated from life. We are separated from this good God. I mean, how can we, this good God, this wonderful God, this wise God who blesses us and blesses us and blesses us, how can we resist? How can we rebel? How can we turn from him? 
And the separation from God is total death, absence of all life. Revelations 21.8, we know this verse well. Revelations 21, verse 8, he says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The second death. Eternal death. And we compare that to the second birth, and eternal life. <laughs> Why would anyone not choose life <laughs> and eternal life? Now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality light to the gospel. The gospel is so wonderful, it's so beautiful, that through Jesus Christ... We can escape eternal death. We can escape condemnation. We can be forgiven. We can come back to God again. And we can live. In Hebrews it says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, through the death of Jesus, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetimes subjected to bondage. Jesus came to do that. He took on flesh so he could die. He could suffer the agonies of dying. And I don't understand all the details of salvation. But he died so we could have life. So we could be forgiven. So we could have life. And John said, in him was life. And his life was the light of man. If we could only understand what spiritual death is and eternal death is, and then to see Jesus came to bring life. And the Bible says he's not willing, he doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. He doesn't want anyone. That's why, he, that's why the world is still not at the end, and that's why the church here has planned these meetings, Right? That's why you put this together. That's why we pray and we have these meetings because we want to first encourage the church, remember these things, and to live. And we want to encourage others to find life instead of live death. People are all around us living death. Living death, experiencing death. And the way they live, rebellion against God, alone without God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That verse, we've said it so often we've, that we've lost the beauty of it. But someday we'll cry at Jesus' feet at the beauty of the work of Jesus Christ. We can only understand the work of bringing life back to people who have died. He's the water of life. He's the light of life. He's the bread of life. And then he said, I am the life. 
He says, I am the vine, and ye are the branches. And then he tells us, you remember that story in John 15, I am the vine, ye are the branches. If you're, if you're receiving life from me, you bear fruit. Then he goes on to tell us later, he says, that is obeying him. If we love him and obey him, we receive it. But if we do not bear fruit and are not obeying him, he says the father comes and cuts off, cuts off the branch. The branch will die and the branch will be cast into fire. Very simple. Helping us understand life. So what is life? Being in relationship with Jesus. Living for Jesus. Obeying Jesus. Life Some people, sometimes you think life is really something spectacular and big. And there's emotional, exciting things in the Lord's work. I love, it's wonderful to serve the Lord. There's a lot of blessings and a lot of excitement. But you know, life is not necessarily a big manifestation of a big thing. Life is simply that I have been forgiven. I love Jesus. And Jesus and I live together. We, I live for Jesus. Being a young person, older person, to simply live for Jesus and the biggest satisfaction and the blessing and the purpose we're here, we talked about that, I think, the second evening. is just simply living for Jesus. What are you going to do tomorrow? I'm going to be sitting in that room there, Leon, studying for tomorrow night. What are you going to be doing tomorrow? Are you going to live with Jesus? Are you going to walk with Jesus? That's life. That's simple life. Live with Jesus. Live for him. That is life. Life. If we're in him, we have life. Some people struggle a lot with, you know, am I really in the Lord or with a conscience? And, um, you know, it's not as that important exactly how you feel. We don't go by how we feel. We go by what we believe. And just live for Jesus. Just live for Jesus. And if you're in Jesus and Jesus with you, and you talk to him and he talks to you and you live for him, you have life. You have life. But if we're rebelling and fighting and struggling and disobeying, that takes us to death. So then when this corruptible shall have put on the incorruption and this mortal shall have put on the immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. We have this thing now. We have eternal life. That's big words for, for us, you know. I'm just a human being. I'm just a... Well, if you would know what the, all the needs I have and all the mistakes I make, the poor man that I am, we're sort of alike, aren't we? We're just human beings with a lot of problems. But if we have Jesus, we have life. This old body gives me a lot of problems. It tempts me and struggles. We live in a sin-sick world. I love the world. I, I mean, sorry. I love nature and the things of the world. But really... This life is a struggle. It's a struggle. Lots of problems. Oh, the problems we run into. But if we can live with Jesus, love, live for Him, serve Him, just be His, and right where I am, just live for Him. The day will come when death, I wish we could help our children, all of us understand, death is not something we should not take medicine, go to the doctor, that's fine. Uh, like for dad, he said, really? Well, dad, when he had his heart, I'm going to leave it up to the family. 
But for me, I'd just rather go. I'd just rather go. I'd just rather go. You know, death is not someday. Someday this Saturday, and I was not there. The Lord knew why. An old sister in our church, a dear sister, a dear old saint, uh, Teodolinda Soto, 100 years old. She had for years been saying, Hermano Marcos, pray for me that I could die. Pray for me that I could go home. One time she said, tell the children to pray for me. The Lord hears children's prayers. <laughs> tell the children to pray for me. I want to die and go home. Why not? <laughs> the Lord decided to keep her there for 100 years, and I'm sure he had a reason. But dying is, is our release. The day they bury this body, I know it's precious. We take care of it, and we bury it carefully. But when we're released from this body and released from this world, I was just imagining Saturday, Sunday morning, Teodolinda, the last years, was suffering so much. That's why she wanted to die. And I could hardly fathom to see her in heaven. I was wondering, what, which body does she have? When she was 15? <laughs> when she was 60? Or when she was 100? She had a new body. And can you imagine her rejoicing in Jesus? Absolutely free from all the problems. Listen, it's good to live, yes. But to die is better. To go home. Life eternal. Now, I know if we have sin in our lives, we're, whew, death is the worst thing that could happen to me. It is. But remember, the problem is not death. The problem is the condition of my heart. That's the worst thing. But listen, to die with Jesus is victory. And I'm sure, you know, here we see so many things happening and so much darkness, but in heaven, saints are coming home every day. They're rejoicing. I don't know if they blow trumpets or what. They bring them in, and saints are coming home every day. What a rejoicing. And each one that comes home is another victory for Jesus. Jesus' death on the cross was to bring victory, bring souls to heaven. And each one that comes home is another victory for Jesus. How precious to be saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. It's the most wonderful thing a human being can ever experience. And the most awful thing is to live in sin. Let's not be deceived. I know sin sizzles on your tongue a little bit, like when you drink pop. Or sizzles on your tongue, and it feels good. And it, Sin has its deception. It feels sort of good to be rebellious. It feels sort of good to think you're smarter than everyone else. We don't say it that way. We have nicer ways of saying it. But it feels sort of thing. We think we have all the answers, and the others don't. But pride always takes us down. It's so beautiful to live for Jesus and to give in and die and be born again and serve the Lord with a broken heart and someday be released in eternal life. Why not? Why not be saved? Do you know there's no reason? Why not? There's no good reason. <laughs> there's no good reason why not be saved. There's no good reason to keep on in sin. Lots of Bad reasons, but there's no good reason. Jesus came to bring life. I just, some of this, when I look at this, I just, I think a lot about the young boys and girls, young people, the world we're facing today. The devil is lying and deceiving people. I remember my, when my children were small, when Anita and Lisa were young, and a, and a young sister left the church, a young girl left the church. 
And I was at Nito, and I said, Daddy, why? And as a little innocent child, Daddy, why? Why would she leave Jesus and go to the world? Why? The little girl's question was good. Why? <laughs> There's no good reason to do that. <laughs> Why would someone leave Jesus? Why would someone go after the world when life is in Jesus? Eternal life. And again, this, I can't understand it. This, the greatness and the power and the great energy of life. And we can be a part of that. Just little poor me, weak as I am, but I can, with Jesus, in Jesus, I can become a part of that, be a part of a church, be a part, and I can, it doesn't, make, it doesn't have to be, I don't have to be important, I don't have to be big, I don't have to be uh, smart, I don't have to, just to know that I'm a part of life, and that I have life, eternal life. That's the greatest reward, greatest reward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for this wonderful story of Jesus. That you are life, you're eternal life. And we, because of our sins, have experienced death and on the way to eternal death. Oh, Lord, we can never thank you enough, praise you enough for Jesus. Took on a human body so he could die. To bring us life. You know the situation here tonight, Lord. You know each heart, each person that's here. And we just pray that your spirit would minister and bless us tonight according to the needs of each heart. Thank you for being so loving, so kind that you speak to us in a gentle voice. Thank you, Lord. Lead us on now in Jesus' name. Amen.